0: The presenting sponsor of Behind the Beak is Down in Front Productions. DIFP is a video production company located in Birmingham, Alabama, that strives to provide high-quality video services for your business or event at very competitive prices with a personal approach. They specialize in sporting events, weddings, and business videography, but also provide recording and video editing work for other events such as seminars, commercials, and concerts. Give Dustin and the crew a call at 205-588-0868, or visit them at DIFPBHAM.com. That's D-I-F-P-B-H-A-M.com to see how they can help you. Down in Front Productions, the presenting sponsor of Behind the Beak. he'll drive it and he's jamming in oh my jamal gregory highlight real time sports center top Time. this is behind the beat the official podcast of jacksonville state athletics now here's your host tyler brown hello everyone and welcome into behind the beak the official podcast of jacksonville state athletics i'm tyler brown alongside me is my co-host avery davis who Had a late night last night, staying up watching the Tennessee Titans game as the NFL season got underway, and you said it was a little bit of a messy one.
1: Yeah, the Titans were a little rusty, but we're looking forward to a a noon kickoff next week for sure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It'll be much nicer. All the football games looked good, like you said, all except for that one. Everyone looked uh, very polished and ready for the season start. We'll have some more NFL news coming up in just a few minutes, talking about our former Gamecocks that are in the NFL. But first, uh, this is episode number 39 of the series. In just a few moments, I'll sit down with softball assistant coach Julie Boland. We'll cover everything from her journey to Jacksonville State from Dallas, Texas, her career coaching alongside Jana McGinnis, and how recruiting has changed since COVID-19 shut down the 2020 Diamond season, just 21 games in. Her interview in just a few moments, but first, a few quick items.
1: Last week's guest was Athletic Director Greg Seitz. Seitz gave his yearly State of the Athletics program address discussed how the Gamecocks proceeding with the 2020-2021 competition season and covered the unorthodox football season that is quickly approaching. To listen to previous episodes, Behind the Beat can be streamed at jsugamecocksports.com/podcast on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify.
0: Not a lot of news to get to this week. The biggest release that went out last week was that single game tickets for Mercer are on sale now. Tickets can be purchased online by phone or at the ticket office at Pete Matthews Coliseum with a credit card, no cash or checks accepted right now as we're trying to do everything with no contact. And so if you are looking to purchase tickets, be sure to have that credit card ready. A few other notes, no club level single game tickets are available right now to be able to get a club level ticket. You must have a season ticket. And if you purchase season tickets, those will roll over into the spring when we play our conference schedule and we will be operating on a reduced capacity according to Alabama state guidelines. And as those change, things may change here as well. But as for right now, operating on reduced capacity.
1: There will be 1,000 student tickets that will be reserved for the game. Students must claim these tickets online by the day before the game. So there will be no walk-up, show your student ID like normal. You will have to print off your ticket and show it there at the gate. The home game against Mercer is set for Saturday, October 10th. With a kickoff at 2 p.m. Uh, this will be homecoming. More information on homecoming festivities uh, will be posted online.
0: In other Gamecock football news, the JSU football team had their third scrimmage of the fall last Saturday. Coach Gross said they ran just over 100 plays in that scrimmage. They returned to work this week and they practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They'll have Friday off and then the fourth scrimmage of the fall is set for Saturday morning. Coach Cross is expecting the team to have anywhere between 120 to 130 snaps in that scrimmage.
1: With week one of the NFL season in the books, JSU Gamecocks have two former players playing in the pros, one being Saran Neal, a DB for the Buffalo Bills. He played 12 plays on defense and 15 on special teams for the Bills in a 27-17 win over the New York Jets. And keep in mind that Josh Pearson, former Gamecock, is on the practice squad for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
0: And another professional sports news, the 120th U.S. Open at the Wingfoot Club in New York is this weekend. Thursday, tee times for former Gamecock Matt Wallace is set for 6.23 a.m., and then Danny Willett is going to tee off at 6.45 a.m. on Thursday. That will be broadcast on NBC Golf, and as we get into the later part of the day, the broadcast will move to NBC and then to their new streaming platform, Peacock. That's everything new happening around athletics, and now it's time for today's featured guest. Julie Bowling came to Jacksonville State in the late 90s as a recruit to Jenna McGinnis' softball program. While on the diamond, Bowling became one of the Gamecocks' most prolific hitters, ranking among the all-time best in hits, runs scored, home runs, and runs batted in. Following her playing career, the former shortstop became a student assistant, worked her way up to a graduate assistant spot, and was later named a full-time assistant coach. Julie, who is entering her 20th season as an assistant at Jack State, works with the Gamecocks middle infielders and hitters, and is the program's recruiting coordinator. Here is this week's guest, Julie Boland. Join me on the podcast this week is assistant softball coach, Julie Boland. Julie, you've already had a busy morning, had infielders this morning, right?
2: I did, correct. Thanks for having me first. But yes, we worked actually a small group of our middle infielders. So shortstop, second baseman.
0: And that's your main group, right? Middle infielders and hitters?
2: That is middle infielders, hitters, and catchers is who I work with mainly. Um, Playing ball in college, I uh, I caught when they needed me to catch, but my primary position was shortstop.
0: What's it been like this fall with knowing that you can't play any type of fall competition? You guys played 21 games last year, and then going into this year, you're looking at practice and trying to kind of figure out what's going on. How are you guys kind of approaching the fall?
2: You know, for us, we compete against other teams in the fall. We're allowed to play eight games in the fall. And we look at those games. We try to focus our girls into using those games as practice, bettering ourselves, trying to see what we can do together as a team. So we're really trying to focus this fall the same way. Practice, get better, compete with each other, um, show us what you have. And luckily, we can keep our kids motivated because we have the spring to look forward to. So we really try to compete with each other and break down our skill work to be the best this fall. So we're looking at what's in front of us, but also the bigger picture ahead of us as well.
0: Kind of going back to last year, you guys were 12 and 9 when everything kind of came to a halt. You played some really tough non-conference games. You played in a few tournaments. The next game on the schedule was Georgia Tech, and then everything comes to a screeching halt what is your mindset when that happens? What are you thinking when everything gets put on pause?
2: You know, at the time it was when they announced that we were on pause, our conference was still talking about a possible season for conference play only the non-conference games were stopping. The championships were stopping. So as a team, when we had our last team meeting, we still had that hope of we're still going to play some games. We're going to come back and play some games. We're just on pause. So our actual, announcement of season was completely done came a little bit later Mm -hmm. and unfortunately we felt good about ourselves, the team as a whole because we felt like we were getting better it was all starting to click practices were starting to click our pitchers defense hitting and um it was really exciting we were looking forward to the next game the upcoming conference series so it was a bit of a blow but we felt good ending for where we were as a team
0: so with this fall everything's kind of you know, even though you're not really sure what the spring will look like, everything's kind of on schedule. You're taking it, you mm-hmm. know, one day at a time and treating the fall as if you would any other fall. But I, I would imagine where things are very different for you as you're the assistant coach, you're dealing with middle infielders and the catchers, but you're also the main recruiting coordinator mm-hmm. with softball. And so how has the coronavirus changed how you approach recruitment during this time?
2: Tyler, that's an everyday question for us. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Actually, so right now, while we're doing this podcast, we're two weeks in, a week and a half into our recruiting season. Mm -hmm. So September 1st, we were allowed to contact our 2022s. And ideally, without the COVID, we would be inviting players onto campus, showing them around, getting them to know us as people, our personalities, the team. So for us right now, we are talking on the phone, we're texting, um, and we're doing a lot of mail outs. Mm-hmm. And what we're trying to get our recruits to understand is our program, one, our championships, um, how we run things, but also, two, as people. So we're going to have to figure out the Zoom virtual tours mm-hmm. and all that. We, we're we not the type of coaching staff that likes that. Right. We like the in-person learn our personalities. So that's going to come, I'm sure. But like last week, I just sent a mail out out that was get to know Jana McGinnis. Mm -hmm. So it was about her family, favorite foods, favorite ice cream, favorite pizza, favorite movie, you know, that kind of stuff. So we want our recruits to figure out our personalities without being able to meet in person right now.
0: What is the hardest thing to sell? Because I would imagine if the recruits were able to talk to current players, current staff that you know they would get along just fine but then you also have the fantastic facilities mm-hmm. that uh you know obviously they're missing out on right now so what what is the biggest thing to kind of sell right now
2: for us right now um we believe in our program our team our coaching staff but the program as a whole the biggest thing for us is getting our recruits on campus mm-hmm. i think once they get in front of Coach McGinnis, um, and the players and the parents can talk to the girls, our team and the girl, our recruits can talk to our girls and the team. I think they see the bigger picture as a whole. I think the recruits that we're going after are the top tier. And so sometimes going against a power five and us, it's just getting them on campus. If they agree to get on campus and they can see what we offer, I think that's a huge, a huge step for us because the bigger power five schools You see them on TV all the time, you know, so it's just that little, that one step more that we want.
0: Jays, you already had one of the best softball facilities in the OVC at the time before the tornadoes in 2018, but since then, the rebuild has brought the the updated scoreboard, it's brought the updated dugouts, things like that, but Mm -hmm. the biggest change has been the field that we've Mm -hmm. gone to AstroTurf, and it's completely AstroTurf, there's no more muddy infields or anything like that. And so how does Jacksonville State now compare to some of those power fives that you're recruiting against?
2: As far as facilities Mm go, um, we rank right up at the top, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I think our facility is great. Um, I know there's still things we can build on and get better, but as far as being all turf, it's funny to watch other teams come in, and it's like a shock, but I'm like, Mm -hmm. you guys don't understand their perfect bounces every time. Mm -hmm. Like very rarely do we have to play a bad hop, but it's – it's, we love it because it's home field advantage for us. Um, our girls understand their footwork a little bit better on a turf and then going into the dirt. But as far as facility-wise and comparing it around the south, I think we're top-notch for sure. And kudos out to Greg Seitz and everybody who had a hand in getting our field upgraded.
0: I think what's interesting about seeing teams come into the softball stadium here recently is that you have some that will take slides into bases just to see how quickly – Mm -hmm. They're going to get to the bag as compared to a dirt field. But there's been a lot of teams that have just slid because it's fun. Right. How rare is it in softball to have an all-turf field like that?
2: As far as I know, it's very rare. I think there's only a handful in the nation that's all-turf. There are some schools that have turf outfields, dirt infields. Um, And we made a lot of calls to figure out the pros and cons to both. But overall, I think it's rare for that full-turf field.
0: When we were talking about recruitment just a few minutes ago, this is something that I seem to ask everyone that especially has been a student athlete here was, how did you get to Jacksonville State? And how did you get recruited? And obviously, Jana's been here since 94. She was who right. recruited you. How did she get you to sign with the Gamecocks?
2: So my story is actually a funny one. Jana McGinnis never saw me play live. And back in the day, this is going to date me a little bit, but we sent out VHSs. Mm-hmm for our film. So <laughs> when I was in high school, I was playing travel ball in Dallas, Texas. And um, we traveled around Texas, Oklahoma, um, just the surrounding state. So I didn't travel a whole lot out of state. Well, I knew I wanted to go into education for my future. I wanted to be a coach. And so I figured teacher, coach, high school. When I was in high school, that's what I wanted to do, coach high school. So my father and I, we researched the top education programs in the nation and who had softball. So we put those together, and at the time, Jack State was 12th in the nation in the education department. And then they had just switched to Division I softball. So I did a recruiting letter and a recruiting video on VHS, and we sent them out. So sent one to Jack State, to Coach McGinnis, and she watched the video and she liked it. Well, within that time period, there was a big recruiting coordinator, Eddie Clinton, from Dallas. And I wasn't under him. I had never heard of him. But he was out watching some of his kids, and he knew Jana McGinnis, and he saw me play, and he said, Jana, I just saw the shortstop. I know you're looking for a shortstop. She's out of Dallas. She's not on a big team. And she's like, I just got her video. So then Jana McGinnis called me, and we talked on the phone, loved it. And back then it was five official visits. I had all my visits set up. Jacksonville State was my first. Came to Jacksonville State, fell in love with her. Fell in love with the team, the program, just the atmosphere, the family atmosphere. And being from Dallas, I was from a big city and I didn't, I like more of the slower pace and getting to know people and not just being lost in the crowd. So Jacksonville State to me was a not too big to get lost, but not too small where everybody knows your business. Mm -hmm. So came on the visit, went home, told my parents, I'm going to school there. And my mom, right away, no, you're not. It's too far away. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, yes, I am. She goes, you have other visits scheduled. You're going on your other visits. And I said, I'll go on my other visits, but I'm just letting you know that's where I'm going to school. Mm-hmm. So I went on my other visits. There was something about every school that I went to that just didn't sit right. And I said, I'm going to Jack State. And that's how I ended up here. <laughs> where were
0: your other visits?
2: Um, I had two in South Carolina. College of Charleston was one. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was another smaller division one school. I don't remember the name. And then I went to the one in San Antonio. UTSA. That's it. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's where I had my visits.
0: And once you did get to Jacksonville state, you put up great numbers. You ended up being top 10 in the record books with 142 runs, 627 career at bats. You also ranked 16th with 42 single season runs one year. And so tell me about your career. And obviously, it was a good idea to come to Jacksonville State. It was a good decision, but tell me about your career and what it was like playing under Jana McGinnis.
2: It was one of the best decisions I've made so far. Coach McGinnis is probably one of the best human beings that I have ever met, ever been around, luckily enough to work for her. Playing here, It was, like you said, it was far from home, uh, so my family didn't get to come as much. They came a lot, which I really, really appreciate. I wanted to play. And Coach McGinnis being the motivator that she is, she pulled the best out of you all the time. And, you know, I was surrounded at the time, softball in Alabama was slow pitch Mm -hmm. in high schools, rec ball, high school. So I played with a lot of teammates that were slow pitch players. So I didn't realize it at the time. But when I stepped in as a freshman, they looked to me kind of like, what do I do here? Mm -hmm. what do I do here? And so that was kind of a neat experience also, but I just wanted to play. So the numbers, the records, I can't even believe that they're still around (laughs) because it was so (laughs) long ago, but, um, you know, I just, I just had fun playing ball.
0: We were talking about it a little bit before we got started, but coach McGinnis being the great motivator Mm -hmm. and thanks to coach Gavin Hallford, he gave me a good story about <laughs> you being in a slump at one point. And so give me that story.
2: I don't know if there's just one point, Tyler, but <laughs> <laughs> the one the, I think the one that he's talking about. I was in a slump hitting or I was in a slump on defense. And my hitting, you know, I love to hit. Sometimes I tell play, people like defense was kind of on the back burner for me. I was like give me a bat. That's all I want to do. I had made a bunch of errors and we had an outfielder that also played shortstop. So she brought in coach me brought in Holly Boyer, um, and said, Holly, you're going to play shortstop and Julie's going to hit for you. And maybe two players together can make one. And so I was like, uh, you know, and at the time in my slump, I was in myself. I was selfish. I had a bad attitude. And so game's about to start. And I was number four hitter this day. And, uh, Coach looked in the dugout and said, top four hitters should be out swinging a bat, warming up. And so I got my bat, walked up the steps, Tyler, and I let the bat clink on every step, (laughs) walking up. I dragged that bat. Coach McGinnis lit into me like players don't understand she can do these days. And um, after the game, our game actually got halted because of rain, so we go into the locker room. I sit down on the bench, and the team sits left and right as far away as they can and coach McGinnis got in my face and I was just like okay that was a mistake I get it now (laughs) I get it (laughs) it's not about Julie it's not about Julie at all so after that I kind of got my eyes opened up a little bit as a player
0: You went on to have a fantastic career, and then in 2001, you became a student assistant. Mm In 2002, you became the GA, Mm -hmm. and then after that, you were named a full-time assistant. What does it mean for you to be able to work at your alma mater, being a coach at your alma mater with your head coach?
2: It means the world to me. I've been here a while, and going so far away from home, it's tough for colleges when you leave high school and you have that pride for high school, and then you have to buy into a totally different program, it's tough to get players to convert. And as a coach, I see that. But as an athlete, I thought, I'm just here to play ball. I'm get an education too, Tyler, but, you know, to <laughs> play ball. But Coach McGinnis, the way she ran things, the way she runs things as a family and buying into the program and bleeding red and white, you get that feeling through your freshman year. It doesn't take long to buy into what she's selling us. Mm-hmm. So having the passion for Jacksonville State, being able to play and then continue on as a coach, I am 100% blessed. Cause I know there's a lot of our alumni that are like, we want your job Julie, you know? <laughs> we <laughs> wanna be a part of that too. So I feel very blessed and fortunate to be in the position that I am right now. I'm, I'm so thankful that Coach McGinnis took the chance on me as a coach. I think it's a special atmosphere because our coaching staff are all alumni. So for us to be able to say when I played here, I think it means a little bit more to players. I think it means a little bit more to recruits and parents to be able to say we love this program. We have everything invested in this program. We've not on the turf, but we've bled and sweat and cried and laughed You know, right where you're standing. So we understand what it means to put in our heart and hard work on this exact field in this exact atmosphere. So to be able to continue that under coach McGinnis in this program at, I'm very, very blessed.
0: And then in addition to that, just last week by division one softball.com, you were named the 45th best <laughs> division one program in the nation. And that was gauged off of how the team did the past decade and then how they believe the team is set up for the next decade. And so How much pride comes with that being named one of the top 50 programs in the nation?
2: Oh, a ton. I mean, right when you mentioned that, I just started smiling. Um, Josh Underwood, our sports information, he uh, sent that to us when it came out and we were like, what in the world? Mm -hmm. So um, a huge, huge, huge ton of, of pride from that. That just, I mean, we believe in ourselves. We believe in our program. We believe that we're a top program tier in the nation. We, get our girls to get behind that too because we believe that but to see our peers and other people vote for that we had no input on it um it just means uh, a lot uh very 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 honored for to have well to be in the top 50 for sure
0: you're beginning your 20th season here and that's seven ovc titles seven ovc tournament titles eight ncaa regionals and then just outside of that decade that we were talking about the 2009 super regional in which you guys beat the Tennessee Lady Falls and back-to-back games. Tell me about that regional specifically. The 2009. And and what it meant to go up to Knoxville and knock off Tennessee to go to the first super regional and so far the only super regional in program history. Mm
2: -hmm. You know, Tyler, at the time, it's kind of a blur because you look at um, during a season, you look at one game at a time. And you think, okay, this game is it. This game is it. So getting to that regional was a whole nother story. Um, We lost our conference tournament at home. We sent the team home. We had to get them all back. And then we go to Tennessee to play in this regional. So when we get to the regional, we lose that first game against Nebraska. We had the lead. There was a rain delay. We come back and we lose the lead. We lose the game. And then we had to work our way through the losers bracket. So, Working our way through the loser's bracket, it was like that team had the determination of we're the underdog, but we're going to fight like crazy until the end. And it was like every game was like that. Every pitch was like that. So it was a really cool feeling to be involved at that moment on every pitch mattered so much, every at bat mattered so much, and then bring it all together, and then at the end when we were celebrating on Tennessee's field for three hours while only the <laughs> maintenance guy was left on the field, you know that was it was just a really really cool experience, and that feeling of making history for our program, coming out of that regional like we did, uh, we want every single player that comes through Jacksonville State to have that feeling, that just. Amazing feeling where you, you can't buy that feeling from anything anywhere else.
0: So that moment, back in the spring when we were doing the top Division one moments in JSU history, that was one that got a ton of votes. Mm-hmm. But the one that actually ended up beating that out was during the 2016 softball season. the 25 year history of JSU going to Division one, the 2016 softball season was voted the best moment in JSU's D1 history. You guys were 26 and0 in the OVC and went on to the Auburn Regional. Tell me about how special that season was and what it means for having such a huge fan base that softball has here at JSU to vote that the number one moment over things like the 2017 Men's Basketball Mm OVC Championship and football's win over Ole Miss, that you guys have the fan base that says, no, that's number one in our books.
2: Right. It's very humbling, Tyler, to, to think of all of those people voting for us that season was really special and and it's hard to say like, what's the most special season or what's your favorite team? Because every team is so unique. The players are so unique and the things that happen are so unique every year. The things that all of our players have to fight through every year is just so unique. So that 2016 season, it was that team kind of had a swag about them Mm -hmm. that when conference started, it was like, we're the best. Like, let's play. Put a ball out on the field. You come out on the line. We'll come out on the line, and let's play. And let's just see who's the best. It wasn't – that team didn't have the, well, what if factor. A lot of athletes have the what if factor. What if we lose? What if I strike out? What if I don't do this? What if I – so that team really didn't have to deal with that. It was, we're going to play. We're going to do the best we can, and the end score will show the results. And so going into every game like that, it was neat because – They just had an air of confidence, an air of we're ball players and we're going to show you how good we are, you know, toward the end of the season when it was, well, we're undefeated, you know, I don't, it might've crossed their mind every once in a while. What if we lose? Mm -hmm. But it was like, well, we're going to win because there's a bigger picture. The conference tournament's coming up or we're getting to regionals. It was the mindset of we know exactly what we want and we're going to go get it. So the whole season, it was just like one step at a time to get to our end result, which was the bigger picture, which was the regionals and hopefully super regionals, which we fell short of, but that team had it.
0: And then to go along with the other duties that you have, we were talking about the fan base just a few moments ago. One of your biggest duties you have is the fan day Mm -hmm. and planning for that. Tell me about what all goes into fan day and what it means to be able to host something like that.
2: You know, it started and um, football had a fan day. And the first year we started, Coach McGinnis brought it to our administration at the time, which is all new from mm-hmm. now, the administration now. And she said, we want to have a fan day. Our fa- We have a good support.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, we want to do something for our fans. Make it about the kids. Make it about the fans. And um, our administration at the time said, we have zero for you. If you want this, you have to do it on your own. So being the competitor that Coach McGinnis is, she came back and she said, we are going to have the best fan day that's on this campus. <laughs> <laughs> she said, make it happen. So I was like, yes, ma'am, let's go. <laughs> so we put our focus on our fan day for the fans. I mean, really, we the name of it is fan day and it's all about our fans. We want the kids, the community to feel like they're a part of our team and Putting it together, it's a ton of work, but it's all worth it on that day to see the crowd in the stands, to see our girls, especially our new players, eyes at how many people are actually there. And it's it's for them, for the players to be introduced to the community. It's, it's really special. But as far as setting it up for the day, we get about 5,000 flyers made and we make sure there's a fan day flyer in every elementary school folder. In the county so we go through and we pass them out to all elementary schools get advertising on the square on all the electronic billboards mm-hmm. on campus and off campus and through the years and through coach mcginnis's personality everybody wants to help everybody wants to be a part of it so um, we have a lot of help and support from the community we're very blessed for that as well so It's a lot of marketing, I guess. We just put it out there, talk to all the high school coaches that are alumni. Of course, we have great support from them. And we just try to put it out there and make it as fun as possible for the fans. We try to laugh. We try to joke. We try to get them to see our players' personalities and ask them to come back for
0: some games. And I think that's one of the more interesting things about Fan Day is whenever they introduce a travel ball team, most of the time it is a former Gamecock that's Mm -hmm. that head coach of that team. And Mm -hmm. so... The family that you guys have built over the years since Jana's been the head coach starting in 1994, tell me about that alumni family and how you feel. I know you guys had an alumni gathering, I believe it was last Last year, year, Mm -hmm. and you had a ton of people come back for it. And so tell me about how that family, once you graduate you're always family mm-hmm. and you're always, you always have so many people come back and want to be a part of the program.
2: Absolutely. You know, and that's a cool position that I'm in. Cause I played here. I am an alumni and now I'm a coach. You want to be a part of something bigger than yourself. I mean, that's what sports is about. You know, being a fan of sports is there's something bigger out there. You want to feel a part of it. And coach McGinnis being here for as long as she has and being as successful as she has and being the type of person she is, everybody wants to be a part of it. So our alumni, the people that have actually played for her, that have gone through the grind with her and for her and for this program, it's a special feeling. So it's it's one of those things, if you call up a former Gamecock, even if you weren't friends with them, they're going to be there for you because you know you're a part of something bigger than yourself and you're a part of a family. And the way Coach McGinnis runs it, is as a family, it's what I've learned from her over the years is there's, there's a bigger picture. Softball is just a small, small part of life. And the bigger picture is the people. And, you know, God comes first, family comes second, and then there's the job, you know, so we try to run the program that way. And the players that come through here, the alumni that come through here, they understand that family is so important, you know, faith, whatever faith it is, faith based that you have to have your priorities right. And when our players get done playing here, their priorities, they can see the bigger picture with that priority base. I think that's what's so special about us is that our staff is part of the program and our alumni are part of the program. Our alumni's family are part of the program. Our alumni's neighbors are part of the program. You know, everybody, we want everybody to be a part of the program because we understand the bigger picture of it and the family atmosphere of it.
0: Coach Boland, thanks so much for coming on with us this week. I know we're all looking forward to the 2021 season. We feel like we got robbed of 2020, yes. so we're definitely looking forward to 21. Best of luck to you on the recruiting trail these next few weeks. I know it's it's going to be a little bit of a different uh, different game.
2: Yes, it is very much. And thank you for having me on here. And Tyler, I just want to do a huge shout out to you because I listen to all your po- podcast, and I'm very humbled to be a part of it. So thank you very much. Well, I thank appreciate you. I, it. I really mm-hmm. appreciate
0: that. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Julie. You're welcome. For former softball Gamecocks who would like to be added to the mailing list for future alumni events, you can reach out to Julie by emailing jboland, that's j-b-o-l-a-n-d at jsu.edu. And for fans curious of the next softball fan day, it is hosted at University Field each year on Super Bowl Sunday. That'll do it for this week's edition of Behind the Beak. I hope that you and yours are healthy and I'll talk to you again next week. I'll be back Tuesday with a brand new episode and another guest. So for Avery Davis, I am Tyler Brown saying thank you for listening and go Gamecocks.
1: This has been
0: Behind the Beak, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. Look for new episodes each week or browse the archives on the Apple Podcast app or by visiting jsugamecocksports.com. For more on Jacksonville State Athletics, visit the official website of the Gamecocks, jsugamecocksports.com, and follow JSU on social media by searching at JSU Gamecocks
1: on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.